What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I am Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions and our news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 181. Thank you very much for joining us. A lot of football today, including some legitimate, like, just breaking news within the last, like, half hour. Uh, and NBA trade news updates. Uh, not exactly the trade everyone's waiting for with Kevin Durant and Ben's little update on that, but another trade you just told me about. And I'm actually in disbelief. This is... I don't know the name is so big necessarily. The player's talented, but my God, what they got in return for this player is incredible. It, it's a haul, Chris. Um, you, you think of the the deal the Raiders um, gave up for Devontae Adams. You think what Seattle gave up for or I got for uh, Russell Wilson, Miami, Tyreek Hill. Like You think of all those deals and you're just like, that's a lot. Uh Deshaun Watson, you know, going to the Browns, what they gave up. Well, I don't know. Um, and, and and to preface this, the first round picks in the NBA, after you get about 15, it, it the value drops a lot. And even between one and one and five, outside of that, it, it drops off there from there. So the value is not as great. However, when you look at it, from a 2000 uh, mile view, it's, it's a lot. There's five players going, one of them who just got drafted last month. A um, couple bench players, good players, not great. And three unprotected first round picks for 2023, 2025, and 2027. And a top five protected 2029 pick with a pick swap, I believe in 2024. All this for Rudy Gobert uh, going from Utah to Minnesota. He is a two-time defensive player of the year. He's a pretty damn good player. Uh, but I don't know if it's worth that this much. And for those who are unfamiliar, uh, unprotected means they they go no matter what. So that 2029 pick that's top five protected, if the Utah Jazz happen to get that top five, uh, top five pick, they retain that pick and it kicks on to the next year or whatever else stipulations that were put into the uh, trade agreement. All in all, Chris, it's a bold move by the Minnesota Timberwolves getting two big players on their front court, having Carl Anthony Towns and now Rudy Gobert. It's a big move. I don't know if it's going to pay off for them, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a gamble. It's a real gamble for the Minnesota Twins. Twimble Wolves, I'm sorry. <laughs> the Twimble the Wolves. Um, yeah, man, I mean, look, I'm not up to speed on the NBA nearly as much as you are. It's not, like I said, I, as soon as didn't have to spend at least three years in college, I really lost interest because you weren't really following anybody throughout their college career into the NBA. I mean, the last guy I remember really following their college career was Steph Curry, and he, he turned out pretty damn good. Um, so I, I'm not going to pretend like I know – the actual like competency of this trade, I guess, but man, to me, it just seems like an awful lot. You're pretty much trading a starting lineup and four potential first round picks, or four first round picks, three which are unprotected, for a 30 year old guy who, I mean, might be a very solid player. But we're not talking about, we're not talking Giannis, we're not talking LeBron. We're talking about you're trading first round pick for the next four of the next, God knows how many seasons, five, six, seven seasons. 
for a 30-year-old guy who's, I mean, when's the last time he was in the MVP discussion legitimately? Has he been? I really don't know. But, I mean, uh, if he hasn't, that is a lot to give up. I mean, this better pay off. Or This reminds me a lot of when the Celtics traded with the Detroit Pierce and Garnett to the Nets, and they got a friggin' haul in return, like not even close to the value that those two guys brought at that stage in their career. I mean, prime Pierce and Garnett maybe, but at that stage, that's the last one I remember being like, holy, I'm glad. I mean, Celtics got a good return out of it. And clearly they're doing all right now. But my God, some of these trades, it's like, I don't know what some of these teams are thinking. I mean, if you if you talk three first-round picks in the NFL for a player, that is like elite-level, potential, all-time great caliber player. You see two sometimes if there's a real need for a player, like you saw uh, Laramie Tunsil go for two from uh, Miami to the Texans. You saw Jalen Ramsey go from the Jaguars to the, the Rams for two. But, I mean, three is just a whole – it's like a multiplier almost. It's a whole different level. And they have four plus five NBA caliber players. There's only 12 players on a team. <laughs> I believe, unless they up that. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a 15. A 15 now? Okay. I mean, if you Still. look at it, you're at most productive is 10 people. And even that 10th guy, it's like, eh. if he's getting serious minutes, either there's a real problem or there are a Golden State Warriors and they're just beating everyone out of the gym. Right, so. right. But, yeah, I, I think I think when you look at it, um, the – I don't know what his title is right now. Uh, executive of the team, uh, Danny Ainge. He stepped down from the Celtics um, – after last season, but before, yeah, after last season, uh, took some time off, at about three minutes off, to be honest, and he became the um, executive of the Utah Jazz. So he's kind of the one pulling these deals and making these moves. They got a new head coach. They now have traded their one of their two stars the more defensive star, but he's starting on the list. And now they're sitting with their, probably they're more of their MVP type player, Donovan Mitchell sitting there. Honestly, Chris, if you're looking at this and you're, you're in his position, he's a young kid. He's been in the league. This will be a six year coming up. He's shouldn't be making that next step to elite status. Yeah. I, I don't see that happening. Now you're, He's sitting there like, what, what's going to happen? What am I going to do now? Uh, he doesn't have the talent of a LeBron James, a Giannis to kind of carry a team. He's mm-hmm. a guard. No knock on a guard. Steph Curry can carry a team, but he's also not Steph Curry. So this is – it's there's a lot of interesting things going on in the league right now, a lot of movement, some player-driven, some team-driven, which, in my opinion, I like. I like more of a balance. I don't like – what we saw five, six years ago of, of the more player orchestrated kind of things, you know, you know, let's what I'm all talking be free about? agents and all three of us will go here. Yeah. Right. Kind of what happened with the, uh, the Brooklyn nets where Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant kind of teamed up and, and went to Brooklyn and they, they uh, kind of coerced James Harden to come to Brooklyn too. 
And where are we sitting now? Because when, where, I, where when, I, think, right when now? I think volatile personalities, I think, you know who can level this out? James Harden. Right. <laughs> and now James Harden got traded midseason last year to the uh, second mid Sixers uh, for Ben Simmons, who never played a – still has yet to play a minute for the Brooklyn Nets. And if everything transpires the way it's going to go, Chris, he will not play a minute with Kevin Durant – or Kyrie Irving. And I say that because the news is it's Kevin's down to two teams. He wants to go to Phoenix or he wants to go to Miami. Pretty, pretty solid decisions. They're pretty good teams. Phoenix was in the finals two years ago. Miami's been on the up and coming. They were in the Eastern Conference final this past season. It's really good choices by him. As I think we talked about before, they need to make the money work. And I don't know how they make it work. It'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, hell, if you're the you're the Jazz, I mean, even if that Mitchell kid isn't going to pan out to be a superstar, you now have, I mean, some upcoming draft picks and five new players to come in, including one that was just drafted to inject into your lineup and see what you can make right. happen. So if they weren't planning on re-signing Colbert, then that was a great move on their part. And, you know, good luck to the Timberwolves. I mean, <laughs> that's... That's for a front office. That that's a make or break move. In a in a league that is driven by three point and perimeter defense and a lot of forward play, it's an odd decision to bulk up your front court with two tall guys. By all means, they're both very talented. Gary Anthony Towns has developed his perimeter game. Rudy Gobert has not. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how that plays, especially in the Western Conference where, look, the big bad bully is the Golden State Warriors. And, and unless you're going to have a seven-foot guy guard Steph Curry and be successful all every time down, I, I, do, I don't see how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Speaking of working, good transition. <laughs> because this is going to be interesting to see how this next move works. We've been talking about it for months, uh, ever since rumors, and then obviously uh, the manifestation of the trade of Deshaun Watson to the Browns. What's going to happen to Baker Mayfield? I I thought it was going to be Seattle. I thought Seattle was a slam dunk. They have the receivers. They can put some other pieces in place. They saved they saved a ton of money by trading Russell Wilson. Obviously, once a dead cap is cleared, if there is any. But just about in half an hour to an hour before we started recording, Baker Mayfield was traded to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional 2024 fifth-round draft pick. Uh, he'll take a about $3.5 million pay cut to go to Carolina and start fresh there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, chatter about Robbie Anderson's comments back in April where when there was rumors that Mayfield would be traded to the Panthers, just apparently on Twitter or some social media site, he just wrote, no, very emphatically. Uh, I'm not sure why he would say that. Maybe there's history between the two. Maybe Robbie just got caught up in the moment. I don't know. But looking at the people Robbie Anderson's had throwing him in the past, Baker Mayfield's probably the most talented of all of them. So I don't really know why he wouldn't want him at quarterback. Unless Sam Darnold owed them money and he didn't want to leave town. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's not like Anderson's lighting it up with anybody else. Very talented guy. I think he can with the right quarterback, but he hasn't had the right quarterback yet. This is interesting. I think Mayfield's certainly a, a solid quarterback. 
Uh, he got a bad rap in Cleveland. As I said a couple weeks ago, when we were discussing his potential, you know, where he might potentially land. This guy came from the refs noticing Daniel Sorensen had a dirty hit on him away in the AFC Championship two years ago from the Browns all but making it to the Super Bowl. And this guy played through massive injuries last year. Didn't play great. He was severely injured. Argue all you want. He should have sat out. He should have been in. He's a competitor. He wanted to play. The team let him get on the field. Can't blame the guy for that. Um, it's easy to kind of poke fun at him because you, know, you got Josh Allen in that same draft who is an unequivocal superstar. Looks like a generational talent type of guy. Is Baker that? I don't think so. I don't think he'll ever become that. But it's a solid quarterback. You could do a lot worse than Baker Mayfield. Just see the Cardinals drafting Josh Rosen in that same draft. And you know you could do a lot worse than Baker Mayfield. I think it's a good move for the Panthers. Sam Darnold, clearly. I mean, they started out 3-0 and last year, and then they won, I think, one or two more games the entirety of the year. Darnold's clearly not a number one guy. Uh... It's not the right situation for him. I'm sure he can play in Washington next year after Carson Wentz gets cut. <laughs> you know, good for him. They can keep that rotating door going. I think it's a good move. Definitely good for Baker. Baker had to get out of there. Baker could not be in a situation where he had to step on the field for them or even be asked to step on the field for them if Deshaun Watson does not uh, does get end up getting suspended, which is highly likely. It's not good for Baker. It wasn't good for the Browns. Uh, this might be the most Browns thing ever. Like I stated a couple weeks ago, you get a number one guy, you get your franchise quarterback, you have him for three seasons, and you chase him out of town to bring in a guy with 22 sexual assault allegations against him. So there's something to be said for character, even if it's not the most talented guy on the field. Quite honestly, uh, if I'm if I'm bringing my son or daughter to a game, I don't have any embarrassment saying. Oh, yeah, that's our starting quarterback. That's Baker Mayfield. Is he the best? No. But he's not a shitty human being. And it's looking more and more likely like Deshaun Watson very well could be just that. And, um, yeah, congratulations, Cleveland. And good luck, Carolina. I'll honestly be rooting for Baker as long as he's not playing the Pats. Honestly, both teams, I don't foresee success happening with either of these starting quarterbacks because one, I don't think Deshaun's going to play this year, which is going to hinder the growth of the team as a whole. And I just don't think they'll ever evolve into the teams they expect to be the team they expect to be. Um, Panthers. It, it's. I thought they had an, a good direction and it just seems like at every turn they've had an opportunity to upgrade, improve, maybe take a step back. You know, they could have created, traded Christian McCaffrey understanding that's that's their offense, but they could have maybe traded him for value. Yeah, he hasn't right been on now. the field, so how much value does he have to him, honestly? Right. But, yeah. Um, trading for Sam Darnold, it looked like maybe it was going to be a hit, but mm-hmm. they just it, – it just – the puzzle didn't fit. And then defensively, they just – it just seems like – Matt Rule hasn't been able to put it all together. And they didn't quite tear it all down to the point where they could build it back up like they needed to. And I don't know what this Baker Mayfield deal is going to do for them other than put a fourth quarterback in the quarterback room. Yeah, I just honestly don't see how this quarterback room is going to 
you know, filter out. It's just, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of, whether it's draft capital or actually it's all draft capital, whether between the trade for Sam Darnold, the trade for Baker Mayfield and the drafting of Mac Burrell, plus PJ Walker who played last year a little bit. It's just an indecisive future for the Carolina Panthers. And even though Matt Rule has that long-term contract, I, I don't see it lasting this no, much longer. No. It's directionless is what I can how I see it. He's built a pretty good defense, but offensively, what have you done? It's just – it seems like each year – He's taken a step back since he took over the team, and that. Uh, and this is his second, I, his third year, going into year three, I believe, right? I think this is yeah, I think this is year three. Okay. And I just, I just, I don't know what this trade does. It, it does add another body. Maybe he's a little more competent than Sam Darnold. Um, it's a busted trade for the the Browns, to be honest. But we we knew that. As soon as that deal for Deshaun Watson happened, we knew that when the trade happened, it was not going to be for equivalent value no. of where they drafted no. him. There was no way chance to happen. Um, and I, I actually found out a fun fact while uh, a couple minutes ago. Uh, week one yeah. is yeah, yep, <laughs> is is uh, Carolina and um, and Cleveland in, in Carolina, so, I believe. In Carolina, so there you go. There's there's something for there's a storyline for week one of the, the new season. Now, oftentimes, ninety nine percent of the time, actually, a player have a good career somewhere and then just go somewhere else in free agency, and they call it a revenge game. This is a true revenge game. If Baker's ever going to have a day, this is it. And just to be clear, too, like we're not talking about a Carson Wentz who's just a complete bust and just gets passed around from quarterback desperate team to quarterback desperate team. Baker, yes. Is he top five in every statistical category? No. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. We know this. We're not being unreasonable. Baker was severely injured last year and still stepped onto the field for that team almost every game. I think he did miss a few at the end, but he, he really tried to get on there and participate. Almost brought his team in the Super Bowl to the year before that. And then, in, in, you know, and still played well in his first couple of seasons. He wasn't traded because of performance. He was traded because the Browns prioritized competition over character. And that's not a problem when it's an issue that only affects one person. If it's an on-the-field thing, a competitive thing, yeah, oh, the Patriots did this and that, that's cool. Patriots didn't hurt potentially 22 women out there and assault them. Uh, Calvin Ridley, okay. Calvin Ridley just hurt himself by doing that, what he did with the, what did with the gambling. Um guys who fail drug tests and, and get suspended, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, people giving DeAndre Hopkins crap for failing a drug test for potential PEDs, whatever, whatever it was. They don't tell you what it is. They just say violated substance policy. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, he's hurting his team by not playing, but he's not literally hurting them. The Browns prioritized a guy who was a really good PR guy and a really, really good ambassador for their team at Baker Mayfield. They prioritized the guy with insane charges against him. The Browns had access to all the information they would need. They had access to talk with Deshaun Watson, and they still chose to make this move. This is puzzling to me. And they gave up immense amount of draft capital 
to get this guy. By the way, by the way, if things fall a certain way, Houston may never even get those picks. If they're found liable of anything by the league, oh boy, any kind of knowledge, not only did they lose Deshaun Watson, but they might not even be able to ever use those picks. They may just be forfeited, no and void, disappear into the ether like the Patriots, you know, 32nd pick in, uh, <laughs> in 2008, I believe. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's it, it's really just a, it's such an odd scenario. They chase away this guy, and they still don't know what's going to happen with the guy they traded for. It's amazing. And 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 Chris, I I agree with you on that. It, it's puzzling. We did discuss this, um, I think last year that this was this these. Two years, this year and last year, were going to be uh, seminal years for Baker Mayfield to really prove whether or not he is the legit starting quarterback yep. for the Cleveland Browns. And if he wasn't, then he was going to go into this coming off season uh, a free agent, and they were going to have to determine whether or not he was going to be their choice going forward, paying him that much money. I honestly thought they – they really should have gave him this year as the opportunity. Um, and they didn't. And it, it is puzzling because mm-hmm. he was dedicated to the team and he put himself you know, out there on the line. I can understand the football side of it where we can appreciate that, but he's not showing us enough on the field. I just think for me, it would have been better to just say, hey, we're going to go with you this season. If it doesn't work out, we're probably going to part ways. We're going to probably be bad enough. Maybe we can get a top 15 pick. And I think that's where their thought processes were, is we're not going to be bad enough with Baker to get that top five pick. So either we need to bail on him completely and go in another direction with a new starting quarterback or try to go all in with him. And they chose to go in another direction with a new quarterback that has the talent to put him in the Super Bowl. Sure. But is he going to be on the field to be able to put him in that position? And, and honestly, nobody knows for sure. And look, here's here's the 800-pound grill in the room nobody's talking about, okay? Like, Le'Veon Bell was an elite possibly the best running back in the league, certainly one of the best for fantasy purposes in the league, the last year he was with Pittsburgh. He then decided to sit out a year to prove a point. I know it's a different different scenario. Le'Veon was not accused of any sexual assault allegations. I'm not saying that. But he chose to sit out a year, didn't play for a year, and when he did come back and re-sign a big contract with the Jets, he was not the same player. He was still okay that first year. But he was not the same player, and he never got back there again. And now he's doing boxing matches with Adrian Peterson. So, I mean, whatever that's going to be. But my point here is, skies are creatures of habit. We don't know when Deshaun Watson steps back on that field. And we both assume he will, whether it's later this year or this, you know, late in this season or just the 2024 season in general because he never ends up playing this season. 
into next. So 2023, 2024, however they score him, whatever. Uh, you know, we, we don't know what his mindset is and how that's going to affect him on the field. Because he was in Houston. He was a big fish in a small pond. I know Houston's a massive town. But NFL-wise, I mean, they're not exactly, you know, they're not like huge market, uh, huge, uh, like, they don't get the, all the primetime games. Nobody really expected much out of them as far as, like, winning it all goes. Now he's the guy. Now they had one of the most historic trades in NFL history for him. The most lucrative guaranteed contract in NFL history for him. And he has everybody looking at his every move. He can't handle even talking to the media about what he allegedly did. And I still have to say allegedly because nothing's been proven yet. I can have my opinions, but it's still allegedly. And he's going to carry this entire franchise with all that weight on his back. Maybe he can. Maybe he comes out on the field, doesn't miss a beat, and he's the Deshaun of old. They're even better, and the Browns are like, hey, people are going to forget all about this because people generally do once they're winning. They're not, you know, it, I don't know how, but they do. They don't even know what we're going to get from this guy. He could be a MVP caliber player, or he could be a Carson Wentz. Like, where'd it go? Whatever magic he had, lost it. And now the Browns are committed to paying him $230 million over the next five years. Right. Said, most Browns move you could possibly imagine. And as far as Baker and Robbie Anderson go, they're both adults. They'll, they'll meet somewhere and they'll discuss it and they'll deal with it and they'll hash it out and they'll be fine. They're professionals. I don't really, as far as I know, Robbie Anderson really isn't known for being like a, a bad locker room guy. So, whatever issues he and Baker may have had, do have, did have, right. they'll, they'll hash that shit out. They, they're, they're adults. They're getting a paycheck from the team. They'll do what's best for the team. They'll be fine. And if not, then whoever's the problem has to go. That's pretty much, I mean, that's it. But for the Browns, uh, excuse me, for the uh, Panthers, I think it's a great move. Get a former number one pick who's going, if he is not motivated this season, you will never get him motivated. He is going to go out there and show out, or he just doesn't have it. That that's it's, that's what how it's going to be. Like, I think it's the best case for the Panthers. Sam Darnold's not the answer. You mentioned PJ Walker. Don't really know what you have with him. Um, didn't look awesome last year. Also, didn't look terrible completely. There's potential there. Matt Rule. I mean, he came in with Christian McCaffrey as his centerpiece, and he hasn't had a healthy Christian McCaffrey the entire time he's been there. So I know they still take the fall for that. Just, you know, playing devil's advocate. What if a healthy Baker and a healthy McCaffrey are there for 17 games? Along with Robbie Anderson, who's motivated in that solid defense. You have your running game. You have a guy who can throw. Um, I love it. You, you I have love, DJ Moore, too. Yeah, exactly. You don't have schmucks on the receiving core either. You no. have talented receivers. I love Nick Chubb and Hunt are probably the best one two puncher are the best one two puncher running back in the league. But a healthy Christian McCaffrey is the best of both of those guys rolled into one. We can run like Nick Chubb and he can catch like Kareem Hunt. Not that either one of those guys can't do the other thing, but it's not their specialty. Like McCaffrey is a an elite level all around offensive weapon. And if a healthy Baker has a healthy McCaffrey and a good offensive line and some good receivers in that defense. 
if the Panthers can't make it work with those things in place, then they got to blow it up and just start from the bottom. Trade, you know, get rid of all the quarterbacks. Bring in new guys. Trade McCaffrey for what they can get for him. Bring in a new coach. Like, that's when you're going to have to blow it up. But I think right now they have some good pieces in place to really do something, providing everyone can stay healthy, which is clearly always the case. And I think their measuring stick's going to be uh, New Orleans Saints. Mm, yeah. If they feel like they can compete with the New Orleans Saints, then they're fine. But if they can't compete with the New Orleans Saints and what they've done over the past two seasons with the cap issues they've had, with the changeover in a head coach, changeover in a quarter, they've had a lot of changeover similar to the Carolina Panthers. And if they can't compete this year with the New Orleans Saints, then they need to consider going the other direction. Yeah. That's just my belief. They can I agree with that. Stabilize the defense because that's fine. Overhaul that offense. And if that means making that change at head coach, then so be it. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting. But if I was a Panthers fan, honestly, I'd, I'd be pretty excited about this, to tell you the truth. I think it's a really good move. Uh, on the – we mentioned it a little bit uh, – Apparently, Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell are set for an exhibition boxing match. Uh, you see this with retired players. You saw what Frank Gore did it, I think, a couple months ago. Yep. Um, I'm not really sure what the thing is with these guys. Maybe they're just they're, they're athletes. Maybe once they just leave the game, they need competition of some sort. They need something to train for. So, cool, you know, good luck to them. I don't think it's going to be a technical masterpiece. No. <laughs> it's not going to be – it's not going to be uh, 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 Muhammad Ali or, or Sonny Liston or – um, you know, anything that is going to be watched for years to come and go, oh my God, look at that footwork. Look at those hands. Look at, <laughs> look at that. Oh, like a, baller, even, like a ballerina in the ring. It won't but, even be, May, it won't even be Mayweather McGregor. It won't even be that level. I should have so. used that analogy. Yeah. No, it, won't, it, it probably will not be good. It will probably be entertaining in the way that like a YouTube video of like the biggest disasters caught on tape is. It's like, oh, that's not awesome, but, like, it's it already happened, so it's intriguing. Like, oh, wow, look at that. Look at that ship crashing into that dock. What an idiot. (laughs) Or, like, all the videos that were on Twitter the past few days about people and their fireworks. I don't know if you've seen any of those. They've been going around. There's a lot out there. Dumb, dumb people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's entertaining, but, like, you feel bad when they blow up their car or their house or... To an extent, to an extent. I mean, there's there's this thing called natural selection, which is real. Um, I mean, if you're going to do something that is blatantly that stupid, uh, I mean, there's going to be consequences. So, um, you know, good luck to AP and uh, and Bell. But, um, yeah, I'm not not setting my DVR for that one. Uh, Terry McLaurin. Standout receiver for the Washington commanding football team skins. Uh, has a new contract, three years, up to $70 million, roughly 23 per season plus incentives. Uh, I mean, what, who's the best quarterback this guy's had throwing to him, and he's still a stud? You, you want to lean on Ryan Fitzpatrick, you but think, I don't yeah. think it technically – caught balls from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't so. actually know. I mean, Heineke, he did over with Heineke. Alex Smith? Know. 
Alex Smith's probably the... As far as arm strength, I'd go with Fitzpatrick. As far as actual like, intelligence at quarterback, I'd go with Alex Smith. I think he did a decent job last year, but he's clearly... I mean, when you bring in Carson Wentz to supplement your quarterback room, clearly, I think he wasn't the guy for them. Uh, I mean... It's good for him, though. It, it's, it's, a, it's a great move for McLaurin. Um, <laughs> it's a great move for the Commanders. I mean, last year... He had uh, 77 receptions for 1,053 yards and five touchdowns with... Nothing. I mean, basically a ball machine throwing in passes. Probably would have been more accurate from a ball machine. Nothing at quarterback. So, I mean, this guy has it. He's clearly a, a, a stud. He's clearly a number one. And if anything, I think the commander's got a value because his numbers weren't higher because of their poor quarterback situation. Because if this guy had... This guy has... Um, Patrick Mahomes throwing to him, Justin Herbert throwing to him, Josh Allen throwing to him. Uh, if he's in Cincinnati with uh, Joe Burrow, a couple of other guys also, he's clearly potentially top three, I think easily top five in the league. Yeah, He's that good. So good for him. Uh, he got some guaranteed money, and he's going to be you know set. And he's gonna know where he's playing for the next three years, and it's a good, it's a good, it's a good contract for the Commanders too, because they can once they release Carson Wentz after this year and save all that cap room, they can go get another competent quarterback, and they still have three years with him because it's an extension, so he still has this year, and then it, and then it starts. So it's a good move for everybody involved, I think. I'm I'm gonna put it out on you right now, Chris. Bryce Young or C.J. Shroud will be the starting quarterback for the Commanders next uh, next year. Okay, that means that means they're gonna suck really, really bad this year. Those guys are gonna be projected top picks. That'd be double yeah. picks. unless they have horrible seasons or injuries, which I don't wish on either one of them. Um, they'll be top picks, and I, mean, I think Commanders are lining up for that. We've seen injured guys still get top spots. True. Burrow True. was coming off injury, wasn't he? Um, Tua. No, Burrow no, was no, no, Burrow wasn't off injury. No, that was that was um, that was Mac Jones. The following Tua, year at 15, Tua was. Tua was. And then, uh, was there somebody else? Wasn't there someone of the big guys this year? Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody different. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Mac Jones ended up getting hurt his last year in college, and people had questions about his knee and everything, but he looks pretty solid. And you'd still get a pretty decent draft pick because um, I'd have to think if it wasn't for guys like Lance and Zach Wilson – and uh, uh, oh my god, um, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that Jones would have been a top five pick. Yeah, just because of you know the lack of depth there. <clears throat> so, I mean, injuries aren't the be all end all for people. If if you got talent, people know it. They'll still take a flyer on you. All right. Ah, this is interesting. This is interesting. Before we get to our our position list here. Brett Favre, known for his insightful and spot-on commentary, uh, stated that Devontae Adams will have a drop-off with Derek Carr throwing to him because Derek Carr is just not as good as Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams is going to be fine. Devontae Adams is a generational talent, and Derek Carr almost had 5,000 passing yards last year. Where is the drop-off going to come from? If Derek Carr is throwing to guys who, I'm sorry, look, Darren Waller is extremely talented, one of the best tight ends in the league. Absolutely, no doubt. 
But, I mean, the rest of the receivers, Hunter Renfro is solid. Hunter Renfro is not Devontae Adams. No one's Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is in a league all by himself. And Derek Carr proved last year that without an exceptional amount of, of talent offensively to throw to, he threw for almost 5,000 yards. So somehow, the best receiver in the league goes to a guy who almost threw for 5,000 yards, and there's going to be a drop-off. But Aaron Rodgers relied on Devontae Adams, and even with Devontae Adams, was, was whining constantly that he needed more help at receiver. Somehow, Rodgers is still a stud, and Adams is going to start dropping off. That's some logic there for you, folks. That's some analysis. I have never doubted Rodgers' talent on the field. He is extremely talented in the regular season. I I, I think what's going to happen is Brett's going to Brett's going to have his point uh, be correct because the production has a pretty good opportunity to fall off, but that's not because Devontae and Derek aren't going to be able to hook up. It's just there's going to be more talent on the. Oakland, uh, not Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, and then the Green Bay Packers. That's just the pure numbers of it is going to dictate that Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller are going to see some numbers fall down. As far as their efficiency, though, I think if you look at Devontae Adams' efficiency, it may actually increase going from Green Bay to Las Vegas because yeah. – he, he absorbed all that attention in Green Bay. This is no knock on Alan Zarr, MBS, Robert Tanya. You name it, you know, the secondary pieces to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams commands that coverage. So the number, if you go by strictly numbers, yeah, I think the numbers are going to f- drop off a little bit. But I think his efficiency is going to increase with the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think you will see his value increase for the Las Vegas Raiders because he'll be in more position to help the team succeed. Yep. And it's, it is going to be vital in that, in that division with Kansas city still there with um, Los Angeles chargers. I just don't see, I don't see any way around it. It's just going to be a more efficient Devontae Adams, which frightens me Yeah, because he's damn good <laughs> to begin with. But I think it's just going to be that much better efficiency-wise. And I think this is where, when you're look, looking at new analytics, I think this is where I, I kind of side with new analytics on, is if you're going with more efficiency-based. Uh, because, you know, anyone can throw for – 3,500, 44,000 yards in this league. There's a lot of receivers who can See get 1,000. Right. A lot of players can get 1,000 yards. And yep. You'll collect all these stats. That's great. And you can get paid on that. That's great. But let me – I want to so see the numbers where this player stacks up against other players as far as being productive in in situations where it matters the most. And I think that's where efficiency can kind of help you guide you to the best players. And I think that's where he's at a and, – and, and ultimately, I think Brett's going to be wrong because I think he's just going to be a more no, efficient player. That's that's not what usually ends up happening. 
yeah, um, Adams is gonna be fine, and Rodgers is still gonna be Rodgers. I mean, he's still gonna be still gonna put up good numbers. It's not like he's gonna fall off and be a schmuck all of a sudden, no. but he's gonna have to find another way to do it. He's gonna have to use Aaron Jones more out of the backfield. They're gonna have to use AJ Dillon more. Um, he's gonna have to trust other receivers. You want a Randall Cobb back? Well, congratulations! Now Randall Cobb is going to be a primary weapon for you because pretty much everybody else left. I don't know if Lazard is still there. I think Lazard went somewhere else. No, he's still there. Is he still there? Oh no, no. MVS went. MVS went MVS to went, uh, yeah. Kansas City. Uh, to the city where he's going to be a massive sleeper for stats. Um, spoiler: if You're in a fantasy league. You get MVS in late rounds. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Mahomes is going to love this guy. Um, I mean, I'm looking at looking at top receivers from last year. Which, by the way, you want to do want to do that for next week? You want to go through our? Uh, you want to go through and and we'll each pick who we think our top five receivers are going to be for next season. Okay, we'll pick it. Just, I mean, we won't pick uh, like statistical categories only because that's just going to be so hard to do projection wise. But just pick yeah. overall like, who we think is going to be the most effective. We'll go top five because I'm looking at this list right now, and my God, I could fit twelve of these guys in my top ten. So it's going to be that's a problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of talent in this league at receiver, much like quarterback. It is very exciting to watch. But yeah, we'll, we'll do that. But I mean, I'm just looking right now at, I mean, yeah, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, your top five as far as yards go. Then you got Mark Andrews, actually, number six, yards-wise, with 107 receptions. And then you got guys like Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Travis Kelsey, Chris Godwin, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Darnell Mooney, Terry McLaurin, Hunter Renfro, Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddell. Let's go to the next page. And Marquise Hollywood-Brown. We're all thousand yard receivers last year. So Monte Adams is a thousand yard receiver, half asleep. He's gonna be just fine. Alright. So I came running this a couple weeks ago, or a couple days ago, actually, excuse me. Uh, I believe it was Bleacher Report. They did all eleven positions. I just went with the skill positions because I mean, no offense to the big fellas, but it it's just really not all that exciting to talk about the best left tackles in the game, it's just, honestly. Um, so I have quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and tight end. Uh, these are the best combos, or the best, what they call them is the best rooms in the NFL, the best quarterback room, best running back room. And they took the top two guys they felt from that category. So I'm not going to, I'm going to ask you who you think it is. I know you saw a list. I don't know if it was the same list. Maybe you did. I haven't showed you this. I'm going to ask you personally who you feel is the best at these positions. There's only four. It won't take all day, but just thought it'd be a little fun exercise. Who do you feel is the best tight end room, tight end combination in the NFL? Wow. I'm leaning towards two teams. But I'm probably gonna be wrong on either one of them, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Baltimore Ravens. That was not the that was not the one they listed. They listed the Patriots. 
See, that was in my second one. Yeah, Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. And yeah. yes, Hunter Henry came on late last year, had a really nice season, nine touchdowns. John U. Smith started out really hot, and then they apparently forgot he was on the team. Both of those guys are guys who are capable of making a big impact. I think they will this year. I really do. They paid them both to make a big impact. And there isn't really outs in those contracts that are team-friendly, so they have to utilize those guys. Right. Running game's going to be better. Offensive line's going to have to figure it out, but I think they're going to be a little bit better. And Mac Jones has looked great by all accounts. Another year in the system, going to be comfortable. I would actually agree with this. Obviously, neither one of those two guys are the most talented tight end in the league, but we're talking the combination, like Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews. Those guys are obviously top, 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 better than these two guys. But the guy they have bringing up behind them isn't the caliber of either of those guys. Right. So that's what we're talking about here. So people are like, oh, they're being homers. Number one, this is on our list. And number two, no, we're not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, so wide receiver. Who's the best wide at this one? I I vehemently disagree with. Nothing against either of these guys, but I disagree with it. The most talented wide receiver room in the NFL. It's, I I think it's the Cincinnati Bengals. I absolutely agree. You have Jamar Chase, who looks yep. like an absolute stud. T. Higgins looks awesome, and let's not forget Tyler Boyd is a Pro Bowl caliber player. The three of those guys, right. they went they went with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams of the Chargers. Keenan Allen, absolutely underrated. Mm. Mike Williams, I, I I I always call Mike Williams the Manny Ramirez of the receiving core, right? Because he will drop passes that are in his hands. He'll make like the dumbest errors, and then he'll make the most spectacular catch you never expected him to make. Not like Manny in the outfield, <laughs> like he'd make this. Throw his glove up randomly and just make this fantastic catch out of nowhere. No one expects him to make, but then he'd have trouble getting like a routine pop fly. And it's it's I don't I don't understand. If we're doing, I hope whoever does this, I'm going to draft with these people because if they want to take Keenan Allen and Mike Williams over Jamar Chase and T Higgins, those are the kind of people I want to play against. Because no, <laughs> absolutely not. This one should be very easy. I think we're both going to agree with this. We're going to get it pretty. Yeah, this won't take long. The best running back room in the NFL. Uh, Cleveland. Clearly Cleveland. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Right. Both of those guys capable of being number one star studs on their own. And they're together on the same team. Absolutely those two. Plus they have that uh, that kid that stepped in. Yeah. Oh, what was his name? Oh, God, I forgot. Um, I'm two Uh, seconds away. Ernest Johnson. Yes, yes. Yeah, he, he looked great last year, too, and he, he re-upped on the team, so they have him sitting there in the wings, too. So, Cleveland, 100% on that. This one is going to be a little bit tricky because with the quarterback, you're going mostly on the on the talent of the starter, and you're kind of saying who is the best backup among the starters with elite quarterbacks. So... Who is the best quarterback room, according to whoever made this list from Bleacher Report, in the league? Trying to, I'm 
not purposely giving us dead air here, but I'm just like, I'm trying to like run through the options and there's a lot of elite status quarterbacks, but then behind them, there's nothing. This one is tougher because all the other positions, the person who would be kind of, you know, quote, second fiddle actually plays also all the time. So like, even though Chubb's a starter, Hunt plays a lot, even though, you know, Williams and Allen are on the field at the same time. Smith and Henry are usually on the field at the same time with the two tight end set for the Pats. Uh-huh. Those are a lot easier. The quarterback one, I, I get it. Like, I don't disagree with it, honestly. It's it's when you think about it, it's not bad, but it's tough to really think about because then you have to have knowledge of all the backup quarterbacks. Also, there's only one that I can think of. Okay, that makes sense to me, and it's only because he got playing time last year, and that's Baltimore. That'd be a good uh- one. Huntley got a lot of playing time last year, and obviously the the number one there is Lamar. Yeah, uh, yeah, clearly, Lamar. clearly a number one. But obviously, it's not the not the right. No, they went with Josh Allen and Case Keenum. I'm sorry, Josh Allen and Case Keenum. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, I I get it, I get it. Only, it's like most of these other lists, you're really hinging on a talent of both people. But on this one, I think just because of the nature of it, like I said, you don't have both guys in the field at the same time. You're really going by the starter, and then who would you take at backup? And then kind of equating those two and saying, here's this scientific formula where the two of them together would equal a better quarterback than the two of those guys. I, I don't have a problem with it, only because Josh Allen is exceptional. Yeah, And, I mean, it pains me as a Patriots fan to say that about a Bills quarterback, but I love the game, and it'd be wrong for me to say anything other than Josh Allen is exceptional because he is. Case Keenum, I mean, he started places before, not spectacular, but, right. you know, he's a guy who probably has a lot of knowledge of the game, and he's better, better knowledge of the game than ability to play the game. Like, I know a lot about baseball. I was an awful baseball player. I'd be a good like little league coach or something like that, though. You know, <laughs> like I can help people with fundamentals, but I can't really do it all that well. So maybe Case Keenum has an incredible mind for the game, just isn't great at stepping on the field and playing, right? At a, at a level like Josh Allen is, which few people are. So I get it. Um, I wouldn't have had a problem with Jackson and Huntley though, at all. Um, Lamar Jackson is clearly. I mean, not trying to throw shade here. Lamar has an MVP. Josh Allen doesn't. So on that perspective there's a leg up uh they both proven how valuable they are to their franchises clearly so now you go would you go Huntley who's who showed some stuff last year I mean he he had some decent moments last year and Keenum I guess maybe they went with longevity I think Keenum's been around longer uh, I'm not sure on that but I think so but it was interesting I mean it, you know it was you know it was fine uh Let's see, where are we at here for time? Ah, oh, 53. We've got time for one more thing, I think. Let's see here. This is a list of the nine most overpaid players entering NFL 2022 season. I totally butchered that. Entering the 2022 NFL season. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. All right, I'm just going to read the names. And, oh, yeah, you know, I'll read them one at a time. Number nine, Christian Kirk of the Jaguars. I think it's still too early to... Absolutely. You have no idea what you have in this guy. $18 million per, if he ends up being the number one for your your 
number one overall pick franchise quarterback Trevor Lawrence from last season, then he's a value at 18 per. I mean, let's be real. C.J. Mosley of the Jets. I would agree with that. I. He hasn't a, proven anything since he got signed there. No, he's a good player, but the money they paid him, they paid him to be a game changer. And it's not just he's on; it's because he's on the Jets. The Jets have some very talented players, and I openly admit that they have, on paper, an insanely dangerous-looking receiving core. They're supposed to quarterback that defense. I exactly, mean, that's what he's supposed to do. Hasn't. And he hasn't. So. I think the Jets are going to be in a weird situation where they're going to rely a lot on their offense this year to really carry them instead of their defense, which is not only odd for the Jets, but for a Robert Sala-led team. So. Uh, Kenny Galladay of the Giants. I agree with this a thousand percent. Check. Like, 100%. Yeah, he's... And I don't totally even blame Galladay for that. It's, it's You had a guy with injury history coming into a system... That doesn't meet his strong points, and you pay him all that money. It just it wasn't a smart signing by the Giants. <laughs> I know you're going to agree with this. Okay. I know you're agreeing with this. Bud Dupree of the Tennessee Titans. 100% guarantee. You said from Here's... before, you said that, that, that one of the smartest things Pittsburgh did was let him walk for a big contract and re-sign yep. the guys they had. And T.J. Watt has proven he doesn't care if he's standing next to a tackling dummy or a good player. He will still do what T.J. Watt does. So... Titans kind of have a history of this overpaying for defensive talent and free agency. It's not the first time, Malcolm Butler. Nope. <laughs> uh, number five, Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys. Uh, I think it's when you kind of wait and see if it really is. I, I, I don't know. I think it's it's – you can make a case for him to be on this list, but – if you're going to put him on this list, you need to put him a little bit lower, not not five. I think it's a little too high. And here's the thing with Zeke, too. He signed a five-year, $83 million extension a couple years ago. When he signed that, he was still young. He was not injury-prone. He was in great shape, and the team had an incredible offensive line. It wasn't a bad re-signing, considering what, what values have gone up to now. Right. I think the problem is they thought he was just going to be the he – th- he was going to be the Emmett Smith. Just plug him in, and he's going to do it, and he's not Emmett Smith. Let's be real. Nobody is. Well, Nobody. You got guys who can certainly, you know, like Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, other greats. But, I mean, you don't compare those guys to anybody else. They're just in their own category. Um, yeah, I don't – I think this one is a little unfair only because there's been a lot of mismanagement from the Cowboys, from, you know, from good old Jerry. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> – Look, the guy loves his team. He's passionate. He's a passionate owner, but, I mean, he can't keep his hands off anything. And, you know, they gave Dak all the money, which means now you can't re-sign. And I get that. Dak proves how useful he is, although they still has yet to win a playoff game. So, I mean, whatever that's worth, you have all that money in the backfield now instead of on the line, and you're still not winning. So, I don't agree with this, but I kind of get people who are coming from suggesting it. (laughs) This one. Carson Wentz, Washington Commanders quarterback. Yes. If Carson Wentz isn't paying you to play quarterback for your team, you're overpaying him. That's all I got to say. Johnu Smith, Patriots. 
I think this one was on here because, like I said, it's not a team-friendly number if they choose to cut him. But they're assuming they're going to want to cut him, and I don't see why they would want to do that. He had 294 yards last year and one touchdown. Hunter Henry had a much better last half of the season, 603 yards and nine touchdowns. But, I mean, they really weren't using John Newsmith for whatever reason. They couldn't figure it out. I don't, couldn't yeah. figure it out. So they got to go – you know, they got to – they can go – come back into this season with a two tight end set with the receivers they have and another year of Mac Jones. And I don't think this is – quite honestly, I have no problem with this contract. And it's only three years. Three years left. It's not like – it's not like they signed to a 10-year, $100 million deal and they're going to be in – cap purgatory hell for the next five years. Like they got plenty of cap room next year. If they decide they have to move on, they can take the hit. But I don't think they're going to have to do that. I think John is going to be just fine. This one. Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions. Ooh. I'm intrigued because there's a lot of talk coming out of Detroit that you know, he's starting to get it. He's starting to piece it together. He's and still really young wanna... enough. People forget this dude's still in his twenties. Like he can, he can he, still turn he, it around, right? And if they put him in position and they give him the pieces, maybe, maybe he, he turns it around. Maybe it was just uh, what's his name out in L.A. I forget his last name. Sean McVay. Yeah, it was just him thinking he had a pull the strings for his quarterback and then he got a, an actual quarterback it's like oh oh i don't have to do this yeah and but now this damaged product is going somewhere where oh i have to figure shit out on my own uh, okay yeah i'll say this much because they're really critical of goff in here and understandably so they say no serious contender would ever consider signing him he, he's gonna turn 28 in the beginning early part of this upcoming season and McVay won the Super Bowl his first year with Stafford. Um, yeah, I think that might have been a case of a young quarterback and McVay being a young coach, thinking he had to he had to play the puppet yeah. master with, with, with Goff. Goff has shown flashes. Goff, look, Goff and Wentz will always be tied together, the one and two picks back in 2015, something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to be tied together, but, I mean, you hear people say really negative stuff about Carson Wentz. Like, He's not an easy guy to deal with. He's very hard to work with at times, and Wentz really doesn't ever dispute any of that. Uh, yeah. You don't really hear anything bad about Goff. You hear good things out of Detroit. Like People like this kid. It's just he hasn't shown it on the field consistently. We'll see. I think Detroit, I've said it before, and I know I ranked them as my worst franchise in sports history over a year ago when we did that on this show, but Hawkinson kid looks good at tight end. Yeah. Uh, um, DeAndre Swift looks like they really really could have something with that kid. Uh, 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 St. Brown last year really, really showed he had something special for that team. If Goff can figure it out and that offense can shell, Detroit can be a competitive team. The Bears are lost right now. They don't know what's going on. I mean, they have Justin, you know, they have Justin Fields, but we'll see what comes out of that. The Packers are as vulnerable as they've been since before they got Devontae Adams. I think they're still obviously going to be competitive, but you never know. And then the Vikings have Kirk Cousins. So, I mean, it's – it's if they can put it together, they can make a run. I don't think they'll do it. But just, you know, playing devil's advocate, looking at it on paper, potential's there. Number one, 
Number one worst contract. <laughs> You're going to love this. Number one first contract in the NFL. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I know you will. Guess who it is? I mean, you already named my binky, so I, I don't know. Number seven on the Saints, number one in Ben's heart, Taysom Hill. Wait, you know, no, 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 no. Hear me out here. There were so many qualifiers in that contract he signed. I know on the surface it looked preposterous. Four years for 95. Up to 95, though. Up to 95. Yeah. All he has guaranteed is five, and remaining is five for 48.9. 11 of that is guaranteed. So, yeah, it could be up to as much as, excuse me, it could be worth up to 94. But he had to become the consistent starting quarterback for those qualifiers to even kick in. I know it's still close to 10, which is a lot, but here's the thing. Now it's on the Saints. There's no denying that when Drew Brees was Drew Brees, Taysom Hill was an incredible change of pace that actually paid off. I think 10's a little high for a player of that caliber. But they clearly saw the value in it. He obviously is not a starting quarterback. He's yeah. clearly not an every-down player. We've seen that. But he is an, he's such an anomaly in that when he comes in, it, it, it's so different that it can be effective if it's used properly. Obviously, that's a lot of qualifiers. You have a new coach in there now. No, Sean Payton's not there anymore. Drew Brees ain't walking back through the door. Jameis looked good last year when he played, so if Jameis is effective, and he can bring in Taysom every now and then for, I don't know, an option play or whatever, you know, five, ten plays a game, I guess if that's worth $10 million a season to you, okay. I think Taysom Hill is what Tim Tebow should have been coming out of college, truthfully. He should have I been a guy think... who just tried being a catch-all on offense right. and didn't have to throw the ball very much, and I think he would have had a longer career. I think Taysom's a better – I think he's a smarter player than Tebow, but it's still an odd contract. And it hinged on having a talented quarterback at starter and then – an innovative head coach or offensive mind to really push the buttons. And they haven't had a starting quarterback for a couple of years. And now that Sean McVay's gone, I don't know what it's going to look like. So the contract was a risk to begin with. It paid off for a little bit, but now it's, it's becoming, it's becoming just that thing that's sitting there that's, maybe denying them improving a different position because you can't even name him as your backup because yeah. you've seen him play consistently and his play is inconsistent. So you still need a backup quarterback to piggyback with Jameis Winston, who has had problems in his past. Ian is coming off a major injury. So there's a lot of if ands and buts going on with the saints and yeah, I, I I agree that though he he shouldn't be that high on the list. No, I don't think he should be number one by any. That's that's crazy. He's number one. I just don't think he should be number one. But he should. How be is Wentz not number one? How is Wentz not number one on every bad contract list? Everyone. That, sh that should be number one. I would I would take 
all nine of those, eight of those other guys on the list and put together a team before I'd have Carson Wentz be my starting quarterback. Legitimately. Right. right. You can work with them. I'd have Goff as my quarterback with Taysom Hill as the fill-in, with John Smith as my tight end, with C.J. Mosley as my linebacker, you know, play caller in, in, in the second, uh, in the second Zeke, level. Zeke is running Zeke back. Zeke is a running back. You could win with that team. You cannot win with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Sorry. Nope. Just that's the truth of it. So. Anything else? Are you good? Almost set. All right. Thank you very much for listening to episode 181. We greatly appreciate it. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related at all, Ben and I'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? You can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSPod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast. Leave a rating and a review and subscribe. And then maybe ask a friend to do the same. We greatly appreciate the support. Till next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next Sunday. Thank you.